everybody thank you for tuning in to the ladies promoting transparent advocacy podcast i am your podcast host shape pate and this tune is called wonderful so i thought it would be a good tune to start off my wonderful women wednesday sit back as we celebrate a wonderful woman here we go and enjoy the episode Well, 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 unless you've been hiding under a rock, you probably know the biggest news out right now on television, and that is the whistleblower of Facebook. You know, I didn't plan on doing this wonderful Women Wednesday on her, but let's just talk about it. We're going to talk about Frances Hagen. She's the former Facebook employee, a.k.a. known as the whistleblower, who testified on Tuesday, yesterday, October uh, 5th, 2021. She testified before Congress, and I was going to, you know, I was watching some of it, taking notes, but I decided... Instead of letting you hear the testimony, I found the interview she did on Sunday with 60 Minutes Scott Paley, 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 I can't, Scott on 60 Minutes, how about that? And I want you guys to listen to the interview, but I want to explain to people who don't really understand the definition of a whistleblower. A whistleblower is a person who informs on a person or an organization engaged in an illicit activity. Now, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of people often say things like, oh, I wish I could tell what this company's doing that I'm working for, or something don't seem right. And usually when it's a whistleblower, especially on a major company like this, It's usually someone who has access to documents. Now, I know when they were talking about the rebuttal of um, from the company of what she's saying, and they kept saying that she wasn't really communicating or reporting to uh, C-level executives. And for those of you who don't know what C-level executives are, those are usually vice presidents and up, CEOs, chiefs, chair people. And... um, According to the other people that were speaking in the interviews that you'll hear, it sounds like it didn't matter because she said she had documents to verify everything she was saying. So that's something that I think is really important to keep in mind and not think because she may not have had access to the CEO, her documents aren't relevant. Now, whistleblower now, because of so many things that has happened in the past, they have whistleblower laws that are enforced by OSHA. And OSHA, it's called the OSHA's Whistleblower Protection Program, which enforces the whistleblower provisions of more than 20 whistleblower statutes protecting employees from retaliation for reporting violations of various workplace safety and health Airline commercial, motor carrier, consumer product, environmental, financial reform, food safety, health insurance reform, motor vehicle safety, nuclear, pipeline, 
public transportation agency, railroad, maritime securities, tax, antitrust, and anti-money laundering laws, and for engaging in other related protected activities. Now, a lot of times, you know, when there's a whistleblower going on, retaliation is very normal. And now they have protection from workplace retaliation. An employee cannot take an adverse action against employees, such as firing or laying off, demoting, denying overtime or promotion, or reducing pay or hours for engaging in activities protected by OSHA's uh, whistleblower act, um, well, whistleblower laws. And see, that's important because I think at one point, whistleblowers were getting fired left and right with no government protection. So now they have it in place where they do have government protection. Now, uh, one of the things you'll hear her say often is, algorithms. Now, the younger generation is very familiar with that. And I'm going to be honest. I mean, I knew what it was, but I didn't understand the importance of it. I have a young daughter. I mean, she's grown, but 20 to 25, 35 gap, they're really into social media and things. And I was just asking her just different questions of how certain, like from Twitter to Instagram, because I'm not a social media person and I've become one because of the podcast. I was only a Facebook person, so I didn't know about Twitter and Instagram. And she was explaining to me about the algorithms and how, because I was like, how they how they know what I like and throw up the ads? And she explained it to me. So you'll hear uh, Francis talk about that. So for those of you, and this definition isn't as crystal clear, but it pretty much tracks what you're doing to try to send you advertisement for those same subjects or products to, so that you would, um, I guess, be attracted to it. But the physical, I mean, the legal definition of a- algorithm is a process or a set of rules to be followed in calculations. Now, think about it. It's, it's a calculated thing. And calculations or other problem-solving operations, especially by a computer. So you'll know what that means when you hear her talk about it. But I want you guys to just listen to not only this interview she did on 60 Minutes, but some comments that, um, as I said, she testified on Tuesday uh, in front of Congress. So I went to a San Francisco, California news station to kind of see what their comments are, and you'll hear that as well. But check out this brave woman, because I'm going to tell you something. She has put like a target on her back, but I think that we have to start standing up for what's right. And I'm not saying what she's doing is right. I'm not saying what she's doing is even true. All I'm saying is if it is and she had the guts to speak up for it and the evidence to prove it, I'm going to say bravo. I'm going to say bravo to Francis Hagen if that is the case. I'm not judging, and I'm not deciding what is true and what is not. I'm just giving you the information, and I want you guys to check out this interview on 60 Minutes if you have not already seen or, or heard it. Her name is Francis Haugen. That is a fact that Facebook has been anxious to know since last month when an anonymous former employee filed complaints with federal law enforcement. The complaints say Facebook's own research shows that it amplifies hate, misinformation, and political unrest. 
but the company hides what it knows. One complaint alleges that Facebook's Instagram harms teenage girls. What makes Haugen's complaints unprecedented is the trove of private Facebook research she took when she quit in May. The documents appeared first last month in the Wall Street Journal, but tonight, Frances Haugen is revealing her identity to explain why she became the Facebook whistleblower. The story will continue in a moment. The thing I saw at Facebook over and over again was there were conflicts of interest between what was good for the public and what was good for Facebook. And Facebook over and over again chose to optimize for its own interests, like making more money. Frances Haugen is 37, a data scientist from Iowa with a degree in computer engineering and a Harvard master's degree in business. For 15 years, she's worked for companies including Google and Pinterest. I've seen a bunch of social networks and it was substantially worse at Facebook than anything I'd seen before. You know, someone else might have just quit and moved on. And I wonder why you take this stand. Imagine you know what's going on inside of Facebook and you know no one on the outside knows. I knew what my future looked like if I continued to stay inside of Facebook, which is person after person after person has tackled this inside of Facebook and ground themselves to the ground. When and how did it occur to you to take all of these documents out of the company? At some point in 2021, I realized, okay, I'm going to have to do this in a systemic way, and I have to get out enough that no one can question that this is real. She secretly copied tens of thousands of pages of Facebook internal research. She says evidence shows that the company is lying to the public about making significant progress against hate, violence, and misinformation. One study she found from this year says, we estimate that we may action as little as three to five percent of hate and about six-tenths of one percent of violence and incitement on Facebook, despite being the best in the world at it. To quote from another one of the documents you brought out, we have evidence from a variety of sources that hate speech, divisive political speech, and misinformation on Facebook and the family of apps are affecting societies around the world. When we live in an information environment that is full of angry, hateful, polarizing content, it erodes our civic trust, it erodes our faith in each other, it erodes our ability to want to care for each other. The version of Facebook that exists today is tearing our societies apart and causing ethnic violence around the world. Ethnic violence, including Myanmar in 2018, when the military used Facebook to launch a genocide. Uh, the first quarter of 2019. Frances Haugen told us she was recruited by Facebook in 2019. She says she agreed to take the job only if she could work against misinformation because she had lost a friend to online conspiracy theories. I never wanted anyone to feel the pain that I had felt. And I had seen how high the stakes were in terms of making sure there was high quality information on Facebook. At headquarters, she was assigned to civic integrity, which worked on risks to elections, including misinformation. But after this past election, there was a turning point. They told us we're dissolving civic integrity. Like they basically said, oh, good, we, we made it through the election. There wasn't riots. We can get rid of civic integrity now. Fast forward a couple months, we got the insurrection. 
And when they got rid of civic integrity, it was the moment where I was like, I don't trust that they're willing to actually invest what needs to be invested to keep Facebook from being dangerous. Facebook says the work of civic integrity was distributed to other units. Helgen told us the root of Facebook's problem is in a change that it made in 2018 to its algorithms, the programming that decides what you see on your Facebook news feed. So, you know, you have your phone. You might see only 100 pieces of content if you sit and scroll up for, you know, five minutes. But Facebook has thousands of options it could show you. The algorithm picks from those options based on the kind of content you've engaged with the most in the past. And one of the consequences of how Facebook is picking out that content today is it is optimizing for content that gets engagement or reaction. But its own research is showing that content that is hateful, that is divisive, that is polarizing... It's easier to inspire people to anger than it is to other emotions. Misinformation, angry content yeah. is enticing to people and keep, enticing. keeps them on the platform. Yes. Facebook has realized that if they change the algorithm to be safer, people will spend less time on the site, they'll click on less ads, they'll make less money. Haugen says Facebook understood the danger to the 2020 election so it turned on safety systems to reduce misinformation. But many of those changes, she says, were temporary. And as soon as the election was over, they turned them back off, or they changed the settings back to what they were before to prioritize growth over safety. And that really feels like a betrayal of democracy to me. Facebook says some of the safety systems remained. But after the election, Facebook was used by some to organize the January 6th insurrection. Prosecutors cite Facebook posts as evidence, photos of armed partisans, and text including, by bullet or ballot, restoration of the Republic is coming. Extremists used many platforms, but Facebook is a recurring theme. After the attack, Facebook employees raged on an internal message board copied by Haugen. Haven't we had enough time to figure out how to manage discourse without enabling violence? We looked for positive comments and found this. I don't think our leadership team ignores data, ignores dissent, ignores truth. But that drew this reply. Welcome to Facebook. I see you just joined in November 2020. We have been watching wishy-washy actions of company leadership for years now. Colleagues cannot conscience working for a company that does not do more to mitigate the negative effects of its platform. Facebook essentially amplifies the worst of human nature. It's one of these unfortunate consequences, right? No one at Facebook is malevolent, but the incentives are misaligned, right? Like Facebook makes more money when you consume more content. People enjoy engaging with things that elicit an emotional reaction. And the more anger that they get exposed to, the more they interact and more they consume. That dynamic led to a complaint to Facebook by major political parties across Europe. This 2019 internal report obtained by Haugen says that the parties feel strongly that the change to the algorithm has forced them to skew negative in their communications on Facebook, 
leading them into more extreme policy positions. The European political parties were essentially yeah. saying to Facebook, the way you've written your algorithm is changing the way we lead our countries. Yes. You are forcing us to take positions that we don't like, that we know are bad for society. We know if we don't take those positions, we won't win in the marketplace of social media. Evidence of harm, she says, extends to Facebook's Instagram app. One of the Facebook internal studies that you found talks about how Instagram harms teenage girls. Oh, yeah. One study says 13.5% of teen girls say Instagram makes thoughts of suicide worse. 17% of teen girls say Instagram makes eating disorders worse. And what's super tragic is Facebook's own research says, as these young women begin to consume this eating disorder content, they get more and more depressed. And it actually makes them use the app more. And so they end up in this feedback cycle where they hate their bodies more and more. Facebook's own research says it is not just that Instagram is dangerous for teenagers, that it harms teenagers. It's that it is distinctly worse than other forms of social media. Facebook said just last week it would postpone plans to create an Instagram for younger children. Last month. Haugen's lawyers filed at least eight complaints with the Securities and Exchange Commission, which enforces the law in financial markets. The complaints compare the internal research with the company's public face, often that of CEO Mark Zuckerberg, here testifying remotely to Congress last March. We removed content that could lead to imminent real-world harm. We built an unprecedented third-party fact-checking program. The system isn't perfect. But it's the best approach that we've found to address misinformation in line with our country's values. One of Francis Haugen's lawyers is John Ty. He's the founder of a Washington legal group called Whistleblower Aid. What is the legal theory behind going to the SEC? What laws are you alleging have been broken? As a publicly traded company, Facebook is required to not lie to its investors or even withhold material information. So the SEC regularly brings enforcement actions alleging that companies like Facebook and others are making material misstatements and omissions that affect investors adversely. One of the things that Facebook might allege is that she stole company documents. The Dodd-Frank Act passed over 10 years ago at this point, created uh, an office of the whistleblower inside the SEC. And one of the provisions of that law says that no company can prohibit its employees from, from communicating with the SEC and sharing internal corporate documents with the SEC. I have a lot of empathy for Mark. And Mark has never set out to make a hateful platform. But he has allowed choices to be made where the side effects of those choices are that hateful polarizing content gets more distribution, more reach. Facebook declined an interview, but in a written statement to 60 Minutes, it said, Every day our teams have to balance protecting the right of billions of people to express themselves openly with the need to keep our platform a safe and positive place. We continue to make significant improvements to tackle the spread of misinformation and harmful content. To suggest we encourage bad content and do nothing is just not true. 
If any research had identified an exact solution to these complex challenges, the tech industry, governments, and society would have solved them a long time ago. Facebook is a $1 trillion company, just 17 years old. It has 2.8 billion users, which is 60% of all Internet-connected people on Earth. Frances Haugen plans to testify before Congress this week. She believes the federal government should impose regulations. Facebook has demonstrated it cannot act independently. Facebook over and over again has shown it chooses profit over safety. It is subsidizing, it is paying for its profits with our safety. I'm hoping that this will have had a big enough impact on the world that they get the fortitude and the motivation to actually go put those regulations into place. That's my hope. Since Facebook is based, <clears throat> excuse me, out of California, I decided to go to a news station in San Francisco and see what they were talking about on the news on yesterday, which was Tuesday, when Francis Hagen testified with Congress. So I did find this um, television network, the news that was talking about it, and check out what they said. Well, we begin tonight with a woman taking on a tech giant. Good evening. I'm Ken Bastida. And I'm Elizabeth Cook. Francis Haugen's scathing testimony in front of Congress could be a game changer for social media. KPIX 5's Kenny Choi starts our team coverage live in San Francisco with what happens next. Kenny? Liz Haugen testified in, on Capitol Hill in front of lawmakers today. Some are calling her a patriot, others seeing her as a disruptor. Without a doubt, she has become the face of those calling for change against big tech, social media, and Mark Zuckerberg. I'm here today because I believe Facebook's products harm children, stoke division, and weaken our democracy. Francis Haugen's testimony has set the stage for arguably the biggest battle yet against Facebook. She is actually going head-to-head -head with one of the most powerful people in the world. Now she's going face-to-face -face with Mark Zuckerberg, and it's, that's got to be terrifying. It's the online 21st century David and Goliath epic showdown over who controls social media messaging, whether it's politically charged or promoted videos and content that can harm children. Today, what happens is something is blocked or not blocked, and it's not clear what the rules are. Palo Alto-based First and 14th Institute and others are urging lawmakers to set up an independent entity to regulate the industry. If they won't act, and if big tech won't act, Congress has to intervene. We've said for more than two and a half years that we don't think we should be making these decisions on our own. We would welcome government regulation. One of the rules Haugen is calling out, Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act passed a quarter of a century ago, which in part broadly protects websites from lawsuits and gives censorship control. There really is no uh, incentive for uh, these platforms to do a good job of protecting us from harmful content while keeping our our free speech you know protected it's really just a tremendous sacrifice she's made big in her career she's placed it on the line uh, all on the service of bringing truth to the american people so the company has become more vocal in discrediting haugen saying in part she had no direct reports with c-level executives don't agree with her characterization of the many issues she testified about facebook issuing that statement 
after Haugen testified in Washington, D.C. today. Liz? Yeah, it'll be interesting if, to see if we actually hear from Mark Zuckerberg himself about all of this. You know, at some point you would expect the uh, Facebook executive and the CEO and founder to say something, but for now it's his communications team dealing with the media and responding, trying to discredit uh, their former employee. Yeah, interesting to see what happens. All right. Before I close out the episode, I decided to go and see if I could find an article regarding uh, Francis Hoggins' testimony after the fact. So I saw an article that was done yesterday um, on NPR's website, and it's entitled, it's under their technology department, it's entitled, Here are four key points from the Facebook whistleblower's testimony on Capitol Hill. Now, I'm going to read the four points, and then I'm going to read some of what they're saying regarding them. The first point they're saying is that Frances Hogan was an insider, making her a powerful critic. And that was what I was saying earlier when the company was saying that she wasn't um, connected to C-level people, which they were insinuating that she really don't know all this stuff she's claiming. But as I mentioned to you before, she has said, and it sounds like from what they're reporting, and you can go do your research, that she has documents to back up everything she's saying. And as I did say earlier, you know, you don't always have to be in the C-level arena to know what's going on. And I can say from personal experiences, being connected with C-level and it, most of the time, but sometimes not, that is so true. Because sometimes people forget the people at the top are getting their uh, work done from the people at the bottom, which means the people at the bottom probably know more than the people at the top because by the time it gets to the top, it is definitely filtered through different people and departments. And the top person, whether it's a, a CEO, founder, president, usually gets the bottom line of whatever the request is. And I hope that's not confusing. But let me just give you a basic example. Uh, a couple years, about 20 years ago, uh, no longer than that, years ago in my firm, <clears throat> I've been in the legal industry over 30 years and I've been at my firm for 25. And years ago, um, when I first came into the firm, actually, I um, I was some I was doing something administrative. I was like the first black in the history of the firm that was in HR and all that stuff. And one of the things I would tell the new attorneys that were coming in, whether they were summer associates or regular associates, I would tell them. And that, a lot of them are partners now, and they always say, girl, I get it now. But some of them didn't like it when I said it. I would tell them the number one thing you want to keep in mind, especially since you're new practicing, is that your secretary. Now, keep in mind what I'm saying. I said your secretary is your best friend because you can't diminish them because they're a secretary and think because you're an attorney, you can talk down to them and treat them any way because all your work is getting filtered through that person. Now, depending on the anger and, and, and the risk of maybe going to jail, think about it. What if you had a major deal and you relied on your secretary to handle everything and send it out to the client and you've done something that humiliated him or her and or whatever, whatever the reason is, and they mess up the whole deal? Because keep in mind, they're usually the last person that touches 
anything correspondence, whether it's going to a client or internal client. So, and they were like, wow, I never thought I'm like, mm hmm. Cause I, I, I mean, I was a secretary at one point. So I know I would never do that, but I know how easy. I mean, some things are worth losing their jobs to some people and you just don't know. So, you know, that's the same thing with this situation. The people at the bottom usually know more than the people at the top, because by the time it gets to the top, it's filtered from the bottom. So keep that in mind as they're discrediting, trying to discredit. She may not have access to important documents. So let me continue with this NPR article. The next subject they were saying is that research shows that Facebook converted young users despite health concerns. Now, see, I didn't know nothing about that. And I want to kind of focus in on that as I finish these last two. It says Democrats and Republicans are actually united on regulating Facebook. Wow, that's a first. Okay, I'm going to definitely talk about that. And... um. Francis Hoggins says that Facebook broke the law. Now, this is from an article yesterday in NPR. So let's just focus just slightly on some of what they're saying. Okay, they were saying she was an insider. She studied how the social network's algorithm amplified misinformation and what it was exploited by foreign advocates, advocacies, excuse me, adversaries. She told Congress that Facebook consistently chose to maximize its growth rather than implement safeguards on its platforms, just as it hid from the public and government officials internal research that illuminated the harms of Facebook products. She's quoted as saying, the result has been more division, more harm, more lies, more threats, and more combat. In some cases, this dangerous online talk has led to actual violence that harms and even kills people. Now, there's a lot more in this article, and you can go to npr.com and, and read it. I mean, npr.org and read it. I just want to give just a few parts of each four of the uh, subjects that they were talking about at NPR. Now, when they talk about research shows Facebook converted young users despite health concerns, you know, when I was actually listening to the testimony, they mentioned excuse me, that uh, kids, I don't know all the stipulations on Facebook because I'm not a big, like I said, social media person, but they were saying the kids under 13 were not supposed to even be allowed to have an account. And they then got caught saying that they found over 600,000 young people's accounts. So mm, anyway, that's pretty interesting. But it says that uh, she has leaked one Facebook study that found that 13.5% of United Kingdom teens, teen girls in one survey say their suicidal thoughts became more frequent after start, starting on Instagram. Now, I really, um, it, you know, it says a particular concern to lawmakers was that the impact of children by Instagram, which of course is owned by Facebook. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I was really, really um, surprised to hear how many young people on Instagram. I know Instagram. I'm just learning Instagram. I actually just started an Instagram account, and I'm not going to lie. I'm, I got to get it together because mm, it's a lot, and I didn't realize, unlike Twitter and um, Facebook, 
that that stuff is so it's, it's picture, picture, picture. I mean, filters and all that. And it was really amazing when my daughter was showing me all these different filters. I was like, wow, you can make yourself look or be almost anything on Instagram. So it's interesting, though, because Instagram is making people very, very rich. You got Instagram stars, Instagram models. So it's a platform for adults to use, I guess, any way they want. But I, under 13, that might be a little bit too much. Um, Senator Marsha Blackburn, who is a Republican in Tennessee, she accused Facebook of intentionally targeting children under the age of 13 with an addictive, she's quoted as saying an addictive product, despite the app requiring users to be 13 years or older. Now, keep in mind, they found over 600,000 with accounts that were not. So the next article, I mean, the next section they're saying is how the Democrats and Republicans are actually united on regulating Facebook. I can't believe that. That is crazy. At one moment in the hearing, Republican Senator Jerry Moran of Kansas turned to uh, Senator Blumenthal. Remember, I did a um, a great article on him and some laws he's uh, trying to help with. Well, you know, go check my podcast episodes. You'll you'll see him in one of the subjects and said they should put aside their partisan differences. Bravo, bravo to tackle a common goal, which is reigning in Facebook. Wow, that's that's interesting. Wow, wow, wow. On such regu- regulations, Senator Blumenthal said, our differences are very minor. And Senator Jerry Moran said, I share that view. So, I mean, this is so serious that it's a miracle, but the Republicans are willing to work with the Democrats to kind of rein this in. And then she says, the last part they're saying that uh, Frances Hagen says that Facebook broke the law. Well, according to her legal team, Facebook executives, including CEO Mark Zuckerberg, misstated and omitted key details about what was known about Facebook and Instagram's ability to cause harm. Wow. I'm not going to go into all that, but as I said, you can go into NPR dot org and read the whole article and i just want to give social media uh fans just information that a lot of people don't know about and they may not care about but you might want to care about your information and and what you post and what people see because um one thing is for sure i can tell you so many instances in the legal industry that i had friends whether it was divorces or settlements or whatever they use pictures and information on people's Facebook accounts to lock up their case. And a lot of people in the um, law enforcement industry have solved a lot of crimes by people's Facebook page. So y'all might want to um, just be mindful of that. Well, guys, this will end this episode, and I hope that the information that you received is inspiring, uplifting, and informative. As I always say, follow us on Twitter at Advocacy Ladies. That's capital A as in advocacy, capital L as in ladies. And you can follow us on many of the podcast apps. We are on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Pandora, 
Alexa tune in and of course my hosting podcast company Podbean if you have any questions or subjects you want us to look into give us a call we're at 404-855-7723 or you can send us an email at podcasthostshaypate19 at gmail.com and you know my favorite question is what do you have to say thank you for listening